Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Saturday, September the 3rd, 2022. It is currently 3.43 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studios located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, if you've been listening to the broadcast lately, well, one, you know I'm a little behind. I haven't been doing as much broadcasting as I probably should have, but sometimes you feel like you're you're in the groove, and then sometimes you feel like you got out of the groove and you're over in a rut on the side of the road and you're trying to get yourself out just because you do some broadcast and oh, that just didn't feel right and that just didn't feel right, but... You have to you have to just keep trying and keep trying and keep putting out as much content as you can, hoping that whether it's perfect or imperfect, it will benefit someone. But in the midst of whether you no matter what you feel about the last broadcast over the last few days, whether you think they were good or whether you think they were bad, if you've been listening, well, probably a, a more than a little bit more, probably more than than the last few days, maybe in the last few weeks. Um, if you've been listening, you may have noticed kind of a little pattern developing, right? First, I turn on this microphone and I ask you a very important question that I wanted you to send me a list of three things, three things that you think the church needs to be teaching young people today. And the reason I asked that question is we have been reviewing sermons that was preached at a youth conference that was held this summer, 2022. Indiana, where they claim that it's the most influential youth conference like in the country. So we've been we've been listening to these sermons from a youth conference, one of the most influential according to them, and we've been paying attention to what they were teaching the youth, what they thought was important. So far, I'm still baffled and confused by everything that we've heard. We will go back and review that, but in the midst of listening to what was being taught, I wanted to hear your thoughts. What should be taught to young people today? I got a few. I got a few suggestions. Uh, some people had some ideas. Um, most of the ideas that pe- that people did submit either were very interesting or th- ones that I had never even considered or thought about. Uh, thought about. So I thought that was very good. Please go ahead and continue to participate in that. Three things that you think the church needs to be teaching young people today. You can send that to me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Then I believe it was yesterday. I turned on this microphone again. And once again, I asked you for three things. Three things that you think is missing from preaching today. If you consider all the sermons, What do you think is missing in preaching today? And I really wanted you to think about it because some people sent me answers, but I was like, well, I don't really know that's missing because I can find you thousands of sermons all all on the internet that provides that. And do you think that's really like, do you think people are really retaining that? I mean, sometimes I think, oh, this is what's needed in preaching and it's going to make all the difference. And it's like, well, did it really So what is really missing in preaching today? I still want your suggestions. And the reason we talked about that is we considered an article that basically said what's missing in preaching today is that we have to preach it. We have to preach the text more sharing and connecting the people to the human emotion in the text, not just giving them the ideas that supposedly arrive from the text. It was, it's very interesting. We're still going to take that apart and maybe go through that article one more time because I don't know if we really unpacked it in a correct way. But three things that you think the church needs to be teaching young people and three things that you think is missing from preaching today. Please send me your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. And those in the Discord channel, please, please, I mean, you're right there. Share your thoughts. Even if you don't have three things, just, okay, here's what I think is missing in teaching in the youth, and here's what I think is missing in preaching. Because I I, I do like to, I mean, I, I, I like this podcast to be the kind of podcast that sparks conversation, that sparks discussion, because typically that discussion that happens after I'm done talking is usually interesting enough that it actually leads me to come back on on this broadcast, turn this microphone on again, and then discuss the discussion. And that discussion sometimes is very, 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 very beneficial because it's getting a perspective of the person sitting in the pew. And, And I think that 
pastors need to hear that. What, what, how do, I, there's always a disconnect in my mind between those sitting in the pew and those standing behind the pulpit. All right. I think there is, you may disagree, but I believe that there is a, a major disconnect there. And a lot of times it's because the people don't ever bother to actually talk to the pastor. They may want to argue with the pastor. They may want to tell the pastor what he should do, what he should believe, what he shouldn't teach, how he should teach. They don't do a lot of talking and maybe trying to understand the pastor's perspective. And I think that that's majorly disappointing. I get more, I, I typically people either argue or then they're telling me they're leaving the church rather than, hey, I, I'm trying to understand your perspective here. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. But, but that's a whole different podcast today. This Saturday afternoon, coming to you from the Theology Central Studios here in Abilene, Texas, I have three more things I want from you. I want you to name three enemies within the church in 2022. The three most dangerous enemies inside the church. Now, this is key. Inside the church. I don't want you to tell me what. These are the dangers outside of the church. Things that have entered into the church. Think of our study on Jude, right? If if you've been listening to our series on Jude. You haven't? Well, why not? Okay, go listen to our series on Jude. We'll be back in the book of Jude tomorrow. Okay, please, please listen to the series on Jude. Especially the first maybe two or three episodes because I think I really establish kind of how the church needs to perceive the threat. And we talked about uh, insurgency versus invasion. We talked about a lot of important concepts there at the beginning of our series on Jude. But I want you to name three enemies that are within the church. You could call them three threats, but let's call them three enemies inside the church. Three. The most dangerous enemies. Three of them inside the church. Now, I'm going oh, to overemphasize that because so many times when I hear people talk about, oh, this, this, these are the enemies threatening the church. And I'm like, a lot of that stuff is very, it's, it seems to me more outside. It's the culture. It's the world. And, and I, I think most, <laughs> I, well, that, I could get into my whole philosophy here, but three enemies inside the church that you think are the greatest threat to the church. Three. I would love to get your, your thoughts and opinions. You can email them to me, newsif at yahoo.com. Of course, in Discord, you can use the Discord channel. YouTube, you can you know post them in the comments section. Wherever, I want to know your thoughts on any of these three, right? Three things young people need to be taught. Three things that are missing in preaching today. And three enemies, the three greatest, most deadly, dangerous enemies that are within the church in 2022. Now, a part of me wants to just stop right there and say, well, thank you very much. That's all I have to say, but I I can't stop there. And here's the reason why. Thursday night, going into Friday morning, it was around maybe 11 p.m., 11.30. It may have been right at midnight, but somewhere around that time, understanding the times, you know, I listen to that podcast every week, dropped a brand new episode. And as soon as it showed up on my podcast feed, I'm like, okay, it's midnight, I got to try to hear a little bit of this. I think I think maybe I waited till like two or three in the morning. I don't remember exactly what time because I was doing other things. But somewhere in the time, somewhere between Thursday night and Friday morning, I was like, ooh, new episode, Understanding the Times. And guess what the title of the episode was? Enemies within the church. And I'm like, ooh, this could be so good. So I hit play. Almost immediately, they play an audio clip from Andy Stanley. I'm like, okay, that's interesting, all right? I don't know if that clip clearly represents what he was saying there. I think we've done podcast episodes about that where we reviewed the entire sermon, which I think it was greatly misrepresented. That's, that's, the pro- that's one of the reasons in our sermon reviews, we review the entire sermon. Because so many times I'll hear someone play a clip from a sermon and criticize it, and then you go listen to the whole thing. I'm like, I don't know if that was an accurate representation. So I'm not saying I agree with everything Andy Stanley teaches, because by no means. But I don't care how much I disagree with someone. I don't even care how big of a heretic they may be. If you misrepresent them, I'm going to call out your misrepresentation because it's not right or it's not fair. I think, I think that's the thing. So I'm not saying that they completely misrepresent it. It just was weird that they, they start with enemies within the church and boom, they go to Andy Stanley. Now, we may disagree with Andy Stanley, but do we believe that Andy Stanley and his teaching is one of the great enemies within the church in 2022? 
Some of you may say yes. I don't know. I, I was kind of perplexed by that one, but okay. I'm like, you got to start with something, okay? Because, you know, in, a, in, in podcasting or broadcasting, you got to start with that. You got to, I hate to say it, you got you to throw out that tease. You got to throw out that hook to keep people there or they will be gone. I mean, people will hit play and hit stop so fast. That's why I try not to pay attention to any of my statistics or analytics when I'm live on the air, because I'll be like, ooh, ooh, 15 people just started listening and 14 just left. And then I'm starting to think, what did I say wrong? What did I do? I didn't give them that hook. I didn't give them that tease. Okay, so so I understand they needed to use it fine. So I, I kind of overlooked it, didn't think about it. Then they went right in to the first enemy, the first enemy within the church. Now, they, this is the one they started with. The number, the, I'm not going to say the, the one that they think is most important, but I thought it was very interesting. It's the one they started with. And as soon as they started talking about it, I was like, I'm just going to be honest. I was like, wait a minute. That is an enemy within the church? And then I started thinking, I don't know if this one would even show up on my list of 50 enemies within the church. I don't know if this would show up on my list of 40 enemies, or, or I'm sorry, 60 enemies, 70 enemies, 100, 200. I don't know if this would show up on any list. Now, the fact that I don't, I don't think it would show up on any of my list, some of you are going to be like, well, because you're the problem, because you've been seduced by it. You're probably one of the, and I, I believe that's a complete gross misrepresentation of me, but I, I, I don't know. So here's what we're going to do in this episode. I'm just going to let you hear first what the enemy that they start off with. And then I'm going to just, I'll probably, I'm going to stop obviously and be critiquing and analyzing all of this, but I'm going to stop and ask you, do you think this is really an enemy in the church? And then we're going to let them try to justify how this is an enemy within the church. I just don't think this is an enemy within the church. And when we say enemy within the church, you're like, I mean, it's not like, oh, there's three churches over there who they, I, I think you would have to be looking. And this is an important question. This is an important question. When you say enemies within the church, I think, I think this is maybe a qualifier. Maybe this is where I, 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 would, I would qualify this. You may disagree. If, you, if I ask you, what are the three greatest enemies in the church? If you point to enemies that are found in completely liberal apostate churches, like churches that no longer really even believe in the deity of Christ, that don't believe in the inspiration of scripture, that don't believe the Bible is inerrant. I mean, they've just, they've rejected basically everything related to historical Christianity. Why do we pick on, look at, look at what they teach. Look, 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 look what they, and I'm always like, wait a minute, those aren't the issues. They're, they're supposed progressiveness or wokeness or whatever we want to accuse them of. I'm always like, why are we so focused on that and those kinds of churches? Those churches abandoned historical Christianity 15 years ago. And we're like, no, 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 look, look, look. They're woke. They're progressive. They're liberal. There's the problem. And I'm always like, no, no, I'm not looking at those kinds of churches. When I think of enemies within the church, I'm thinking enemies within biblical Churches that hold a historical Christianity, churches that would be conservative in their theology, churches that would, for the most part, hold to sound doctrine to some level. That's where I'm like, I'm not looking for, oh, there's an enemy in the church. And, and you call that a church? They abandoned historical Christianity 15 years ago. What are you even talking about? It's so weird. I think we always have a tendency to want to point out the mistakes everywhere else. We always want to say them, 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 them. And we really want to say us, us, us. So I think when I consider the enemies within the church, I'm thinking more in the, you know, evangelical, biblical kind of churches. I, I may completely disagree with so much of their doctrine, but at least they try to hold to at least some level of the basic Bible doctrines and historical Christianity. At least that's my perspective. You may think otherwise, but I just, so many times when people say, these are problems in the church, oh, I'm always like, really, that, that, you think that's a problem in the church? Could you show me the churches? And then they'll point to some denomination. I'm like, you realize that, that denomination left Christianity 15 years ago and you're still worried about that? 
You may be worried about how some of those, how these issues are present in these other kinds of churches. Just a thought, but we'll see. I'm I'm, I'm saying all of that because I'm still perplexed of the first one that they mention. Here we go. Understanding the times. The episode dropped Thursday or Friday morning, depending on your podcast app. And they talk about enemies within the church. And, well, let's just see which the what is the first one they mention. Here we go. Are there really enemies in the church? You are not accountable to the Ten Commandments. You're not accountable to the Jewish law. We're done with that. God has done something new. Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio. Now, that's Andy Stanley saying, you know, you're not responsible to the Ten Commandments. You're not under that. Now, of course, you need a lot of clarification what he's trying to say there. Is he saying something right, but he's saying it in an incorrect way? Is he saying something horribly wrong? We could have a long discussion about that. But, okay, so that's not the first one that they're mentioning. That's just their tease. Right? You hear Andy Stanley? Okay, that, that's already a dog whistle for some people. Oh, oh, Andy, they're going to talk bad about Andy Stanley. Got to listen. Okay, but let's just find out what is the first enemy that they're going to focus on. Radio with Jan Markell. Radio for the Remnant. Brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. Today, we visit with Pastor Kerry Gordon, one of the producers of the film Enemies Within the Church. Who are these enemies, and how did they get entrenched in our churches, seminaries, and Bible schools? And what is their agenda? We'll get answers to these questions and more this hour. Trevor, you've looked at the evidence concerning the Southern Baptist Convention. What are your thoughts? If you look at it from a left-wing point of view, the Southern Baptists were one of the last bastions of true Christianity in America and very socially and politically conservative. So if you could conquer the Southern Baptists and move them to the left, you could move the whole politics of the South and America to the left. It would be amazing. Okay, we got to stop right here. They immediately go into someone talking about the Southern Baptist was supposedly the last bastion, I guess, of true Christianity. But note, conservative politics, if you can, can just listen to all the political language. If you get them to go left, you change the politics of the South. So the church is determining the politics. See, to me, inadvertently, They just went to what I believe is one of the greatest threats in the church, and that is the politicizing of the church and the political hijacking of the church, right? I, I, but they, they don't even, they don't, they don't even hear that. Like, oh, see, the Southern Baptists, they went left, and now everyone's going to be liberal political. It's all, the church has become such a, it's the political, it's now the church determines the politics of a region. Oh, I've got problems. I'm going to back that up because as soon as I heard that, I'm like, wait, but th- this is not the first thing because they don't perceive, the, well, they, they, they may perceive the, the Southern Baptists, but they're going to name what they believe is the first enemy here. Let, let's go back. Let's go back. We'll back that up a little bit so you can hear it. All right, here we go. Taken over universities like they've taken over Hollywood. It was just. Okay, hang on. I didn't actually go backwards. I went forwards. Okay, here we go. Let's go back a little bit further. All right, here we go. Well, I'm just going to play this all. I went it all the way back to the beginning. Here we go. Are there really enemies in the church? You are not accountable to the Ten Commandments. You're not accountable to the Jewish law. We're done with that. God has done something new. Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell. Radio for the Remnant. Brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. Today, we visit with Pastor Kerry Gordon, one of the producers of the film Enemies Within the Church. Who are these enemies, and how did they get entrenched in our churches, seminaries, and Bible schools? And what is their agenda? We'll get answers to these questions and more this hour. Trevor, you've looked at the evidence concerning the Southern Baptist Convention. What are your thoughts? If you look at it from a left-wing point of view, the Southern Baptists were one of the last bastions of true Christianity in America and very socially and politically conservative. So if you could conquer the Southern Baptists and move them to the left, you could move the whole politics of the South 
in America to the left. It would be a major conquest. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it in a purely secular way, this was a battle fought by the left to conquer and take over the Southern Baptists like they've taken over universities, like they've taken over Hollywood. It was just another institution on their list. Welcome to the program. Okay, so the left. So the the threat. Now, now this is not the first one they're going to mention, but there's a lot here to already unpack because they're throwing out these little teases so that you'll listen all the way to the end. I understand what they're doing from a broadcast perspective. Okay, so I, I want to get to the first one, but I can't just run past their little teases here because to me, inadvertently, their tease to me, identifies the real problem in the church. The real problem in the church is that the church sees everything from a political lens. See, the leftists are here to change our politics. And if the church changes its politics, then the region where the church is dominant, their politics will change. My job as a church is not to influence the politics of a region. The the purpose of the church is to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, bring, call them to repentance and faith in Christ, and then call them to discipleship. And you say, well, that may impact their politics. That's, that's not even on my radar. I don't care about that. You need followers of Christ who are trying to follow Christ, confessing their sins, acknowledging their sins, struggling against their sins, trying to live out the Christian life to the best of their ability, as honest as they can, and calling other people to do that, studying their Bible, praying, living for God. It's not about a political agenda, but it's almost impossible anymore for anyone to talk about the church without talking about the 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 politics of the church are are you is your church socially conservative is your church politically conservative if you ask me those questions my next statement's going to be my church isn't for you because we're not i don't want to be identified as socially conservative or politically conservative ask me if i'm theologically conservative do i hold to the inerrancy of scripture do i hold to total depravity do i hold to uh, you know, uh, election. Do I hold to perseverance of the saints? Or we go through all, you know, we can go through the tulip if we want to, Unli- you know, uh, limited atonement, you know, unconditional election, irresistible grace. We go through, ask me questions about the Trinity. Ask me about the hypostatic union. Ask me about the deity of Christ. Ask me about very important things like that. But no, no, no. If you want to talk about politics and socially conservative, meaning you're wanting me to fight the culture wars, that's not the church. You need, you don't want to come to church. You need to stop by the Republican headquarters. Instead of, instead of driving to church on Sunday, stop by the Republican headquarters and ask them to hold a meeting every Sunday. And you can all get together, have donuts and coffee as you sit around talking about how bad the liberals are and how wonderful the Republicans are and how everyone's against Trump and how America's being destroyed. And we need to make America great again. And we need to build a wall and how, and every other, con- and then think of all of the QAnon conspiracy theories you can throw in. And there you can have your church. But church today, it's always linked with a, with a politic. It's a political, it, it's so mixed in that the church can't even hear anymore. When I hear that, I'm like, you want to talk about the enemy within the church? You've just described it. It's the church has been politically hijacked. Everything is political. Everything is left or right, not left or right theologically, left or right politically. Everything is liberal or conservative, not theologically, but socially or politically. That is the hijacking of the church. That's to me the great one of the greatest enemies. But let's see what they're going to name. Here we go. I'm so glad you can join me today. Say, are there enemies within the church? Well, a film that this ministry carries says that there are. As a matter of fact, this film is titled Enemies Within the Church, and it names some of those the producers found to be, well, unsound theologically and more. We're going to get into all of that. I opened with a little clip of Andy Stanley saying, we don't need the Old Testament anymore. So you know we have some problems in the church when high-profile pastors are saying things that are, let's say, reckless. Now, the Bible predicts a falling away from an already fallen world. Bible predicts that people will not give heed to sound doctrine, Second Timothy 4. There will be wolves among the flock, Matthew 7. People will follow after the doctrine of demons, 1 Timothy 4.1. 
There will be some, upon hearing this, who may object to this broadcast. Now, let me make it very, I agree with everything she just said. I believe the church will apostatize. I believe the the corporate church will get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And I I don't know if anyone ever, I I, I don't know if anyone's really got a good plan of exactly what that looks like. When you've got Christians all around the country who maybe really care about the Bible and the things of God and churches all around them are falling apart, what do they do? How do we address that? That's a whole different uh, podcast episode. But I do believe in my eschatology, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Apostasy will dominate the church. The church is going to be an absolute train wreck. And I think we're already seeing it. Well, put it this way. Every generation thinks they see it. I will say this. We are seeing an apostasy within the church in 2022 that may be different than previous generations. We are seeing the apostasy of a politicized church who has abandoned the things of God for political power and gain, that it, that the church has given its first love over to a political party or over to a politician and not to God while claiming that they love God. It's almost like now the politics have become the golden calf. And we look at the politics and we're like, this is what brought us out of Egypt. This is what's going to take us to the promised land. Now, we've, we we, we want to say that it's God, but in reality, what we're calling God now is our favorite political party and our favorite politician. That's where we are. And and I, I don't fit in uh, with that form of Christianity. It's, it's so politicized. I'll just give you an example this morning. Had to drive, uh, I don't know, 20 miles maybe to, to go help some people clean up some things on their property. And as I was driving back home, I was trying in a hurry to get back home, but I drove past, it's probably maybe three minutes from my house, four minutes at a large Nazarene church. And as I got close to the property, I saw all these American flags, all these American flags in the front. And then right when you turn into the, to the driveway, I guess what you would call it, it's a long driveway up to the actual parking lot of the church. That entire like curving driveway is just American flags on both sides. So you pull in at, to a church and all you see is American flags leading you all the way to the, to the, to the parking lot to walk into the sanctuary. And I'm thinking, so am I going to that church to worship the crucified, risen Savior, seated at the right hand of the Father, coming to judge the living and the dead, or am I driving into that church to basically worship America? Because everything here says, come to this church, and we are pro-America. Pro-America, America, America. I didn't see a cross anywhere, but I saw the American flag everywhere. That, that's the politicizing of the church. That, to me, is the enemy. And, and nobody can see it. Nobody can see it. All right. But all right, here we go. Enemies went to the church. Listen to what they think the first one is. Listen, 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 listen. Inadvertently, they've already given you the main one without even realizing it. But here we go. And I do agree with her that the church is going to get worse and worse and worse. And we see the results of that in the politicizing of the church. But let's wait for it. What do you think it is? I, I almost want to say, I don't know how many people are listening live at this moment, but I almost want to just stop and go, I'm not going to say something until someone gives me their suggestion. But here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Or the entire production that we carry enemies within the church. The film does name those they feel who are bringing harm to the church, and we'll talk about that the entire hour. What do we do, as I just said a moment ago, with an Andy Stanley who says we don't need the Old Testament any longer? Jesus talked about the Old Testament all the time. What do we do with a prominent Southern Baptist pastor, J.D. Greer, who says as it concerns homosexuality that God only whispers with the suggestion that maybe evangelicals are overreacting? Well, you hear me refer on this program to the woke church. We're going to talk about that this hour. Please note the woke church. Okay. That I, if I hear another conservative Christian, like it's the woke church, it's the woke church. No, I'm worried about the politically hijacked right church. That's what I'm worried about. Because again, the politically woke church, look at those churches, ignore their wokeness. 
ignore their politicized. I mean, put it this way. The church is hijacked politically from the right and the left, but go to those churches that's been hijacked from the left. Look at them. Just ignore all of the of the politics. Ignore it. Look for their doctrine and theology, and you'll notice churches that have abandoned and reject the inspiration and errancy of Scripture. They they almost completely deny the deity of Christ. You you look at what they teach theologically. They've already abandoned Christianity, so I don't. I'm not going to get caught up in their wokeness. But then you look on the right. They're not woke, but they're so politically hijacked with a Republican conservative mindset. And nobody ever wants to point that one out. It, we talk, just listen, the woke church. This All we have done, listen to me, is within the culture, it's politically divided. Conservative, liberal, woke, you know, whatever. Make America great again, mega, whatever, whatever labels you want to call. The country is divided. You see them fighting on social media. You see them yelling and screaming at each other. The country is divided. The church has just taken that division within the country, brought it into the church, and we've spiritualized, but we're using the exact same language. Progressive, woke, liberal. It's all we've done is we're just using the same language because we've become completely hijacked politically. I don't know why the church can't see what has happened to it. But they're the woke church. Let's talk about the right church, the one, the one on the right who's been hijacked by that perspective. I've been yelling about this since the 1990s when Rush Limbaugh dominated the airwaves and Rush Limbaugh, 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 Rush Limbaugh. It, any, any conservative church you went to, guess what you would find? Men who during their lunch hours, they listened to Rush Limbaugh. And guess what the men in the church started doing? They started talking like Rush Limbaugh thinking like Rush Limbaugh, and they developed a worldview, not from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but for three hours of Rush Limbaugh, Monday through Friday. And, and you would hear them talk about certain social issues, and I'm like, there's nothing Jesus about that. Well, Rush Limbaugh is conservative. Conservative doesn't mean Christian. And you, I would get so frustrated. I'm like, what are you doing Instead of listening to three hours of Rush, clearly, I'm not saying you can't do that. I mean, obviously, he's passed away and you can listen to, I can't remember the names of the two guys who've taken over. Um, I don't have their names in front of me. Okay, but you can you can listen to them. I'm not saying don't listen to them because I know don't like to ever tell people not to listen to something. But you need to be making sure your worldview is coming from scripture, not from a conservative political worldview. And so today, many Christian men sound more like Tucker Carlson than they do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They sound more like Glenn Beck or Fox News than they do Jesus. That's a problem. But all we can do is like the church over there, they're woke, they're liberal, they're leftist. And it's like, how about the problem on the right? Please, somebody catch on. All right. Okay, we still haven't gotten to it yet. What is their first major enemy within the church? We're getting there. And you may be attending one and you may want to flee from it if you are. I mean, wokeness is an enemy within the church. So I'm going to be playing a number of sound bites this hour from the film. Again, you can see these clips by watching the video version of this program. We post the video version to our website, olivetreeviews.org, olivetreeviews.org. Go to radio. We post the video version on our YouTube channel, on our Rumble channel, on his channel. Or again, you can get the product that we're talking about. It's in my online store. It's a two-hour film. We're offering it for $12, or you can call my office. I'll say more about that as we move into the program. Now, as a spokesman for the film, I'm so pleased to be featuring Pastor Kerry Gordon. He pastors Cornerstone World Outreach. That is in Sioux City, Iowa. It's Independent Church. Pastor Kerry Gordon, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's a privilege to get to speak with you and all of your audience. Thank you. Now, the producers of this film, including Trevor Loudon, who, by the way, I know and have had on air three, four times, and Trevor is an authority on communism in America. He suggests, Carrie, that Marxism is not just moving into the church, that it has now entrenched itself in. There you have it. 
they believe that the, now, when I'm not saying they say number one as importance, but the number one enemy they start with that they believe is entrenched within the church is Marxism. Now, I, I, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be honest. I am dumbfounded that that this would not show up on my list of 500 enemies within the church. Marxism? Marxism. Yeah, that's the problem with most conservative evangelical churches is Marxism. Why won't we look at ourselves? See, we're looking at the most liberal, 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 liberal churches that, again, have already abandoned Christianity. Why are we looking? No, there's the enemies within the church. Look at the conservative churches that supposedly have biblical sound doctrine. What is the enemies that have found them way in there? That's the danger. Marxism? Really? That's the, that's the great enemy of the church. Marxism. I, I, there's all those scriptures. Beware of Marxists. Beware of Marxists who will take away your constitutional rights and will take away America and America won't be great again. And they, they will call no borders and they like all the things, you know, communism, Marxism, it's going to destroy us. It's a, that is such a conservative Republican concern. I don't, I don't see like my, my concern for the church is not, oh, we, we need to pray for the, for the Marxism that has crept in. I, I don't see Marxism as even anywhere close to the threat to it, being inside the church, enemy within the church. You could say, well, if Marxists take over the political world, then they may abandon or try to prohibit or ban or, or take away our religious freedoms. Okay, that's a separate issue. That's an enemy outside of the church. But Marxism is a threat inside your church. <laughs> okay, well, let's see where they're going to go with this. In the Western church, in other words, the Jim Wallaces of the world, a wolf to be sure, have been very successful as posing as promoters of Christian theology when in fact his real love is Marxist ideology and quite frankly, Carrie, as I prepared for this film, I didn't know where to begin. I was simply overwhelmed with all the evidence you are producing. When you think about it, Jan, 58% of millennials, people 25 to 40-year-olds, and they vote 58% of the young people in our country. They want socialism. Mm -hmm. Now, please know where he starts. He doesn't start with anything about it in the church. Millennials. And then please, did you hear that? And they vote. So are you worried about enemies within the church? Are you worried about enemies to your preferred social economical, economic system? Are, are you more worried about threats to capitalism than you are to the deity of Christ, the hypostatic union, the Trinity, her, biblical hermeneutics? Well, because just immediately, like they say the enemies within the church. And what does he start off with? statistics about those outside of the church, and then he has to throw in, and they vote, and they want socialism. <gasps> oh, socialism, everybody scream, run, 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 socialists are here. Now, you're saying, social. I don't like socialism. I, I didn't say you should. I'm not, I'm not making any statement. I'm saying that this is a problem for the church? I need to start doing sermons on socialism because socialism is a danger inside the church. Marxism, socialism. Let's see where else he goes. So far, though, he's given me things outside the church. That's where immediately he's gone. But please note, his intentions have been clear. We need to stop these people from voting that way. We don't want them voting for socialism. So now the church needs to get people to vote a certain way. See that? Mm -hmm. Church has given itself over, prostituted itself to politics. Marxism, and you couple that with a church that is by the decade shrinking. The number of Americans that attend church faithfully on a Sunday has been shrinking for a very long time, and so the church has this desire to be relevant. We have what we call user-friendly churches, mm -hmm. dressed down, dumb it down, water down the pulpit, and these pastors go through so much rigor to try to find ways to market their church and get more people to attend. And I think 
many of them are motivated by their better angels. They want to be able to talk about Jesus to people. They want people to come to church. Okay. Okay. So, so the the so in a sense, I feel like you're naming enemies within the church. All the church growth methods. Is that because we have a wrong view of church and what success is and what success isn't? Right. Watering down the pulpit, trying to be relevant. Right. I mean, those are real issues inside the church. They've been around forever. What does that have to do with socialism or Marxism? See, what he sounds like he's saying, the church is decreasing in number, so the church is not as influential, so socialism and Marxism is on the march, and the church needs to be fighting the Marxism. But that seems to be saying that the enemy is outside of the church. It's like when you start naming things inside the church, watered down pulpit, church growth movement. I mean, those are some serious issues that we do need to talk about. And, and, and I'm telling you, a lot of the blame for a lot of those ideas come from the pulpit or come from the pew, not the pulpit. The pulpit follows the pew because the pew's like, if you don't grow and you don't have this and you don't have this, I'll go find it where I can get it. Like I, you know, people always leaving the church for some reason. I mean, you you have to bend over backwards to try to keep people to stay. Okay, but that's a whole different issue. That's a whole different issue. But they make compromises and they do things that they shouldn't be doing to try to attract people who have depraved minds and are essentially the children of the devil. What happens is compromises are made in order to seem relevant and to cause more people to sit down on Sunday. See, and I call that into question. I think a lot of the, the ideas to try to attract people and be relevant, I think it's more not about trying to attract the people with the depraved minds. It's trying to keep the people in the pew who claim to be Christians, well, who still have a sinful nature, okay? I, I don't like, they have the depraved minds, but nobody in the church has a sinful nature. No, no, everyone in the, the, the depraved nature is still, still inside everyone inside your church. That's just a weird, they have the depraved minds. Now, I think the church in so much of their, their, their scheming and plans to be relevant in activities I think a lot of it is to attract Christians. And I'm sorry, those are pencils falling because I have to pick up a pencil as soon as I start thinking. But I think a lot of the, those things are designed to attract Christians, right? Who will go from one church to a different church to go to a different church. Because I don't know how many people in the world like, oh, look, they have a cool praise band. They have stadium seating and they have stage lighting. Oh, wow. And their sermons are only 20 minutes long. And the, the pastor wears jeans. I think I'm going to go to church Sunday. No, I think it's Christians who want something new and exciting and flashly, flashy and, and fleshly, I guess you could say. I think it's more to attract professing Christians. But I, but that's a whole different podcast. I, I still want to know, they haven't demonstrated that socialism, Marxism is an enemy inside the church. Let's see if they're going to articulate this. And I think a lot of ministers are adopting the language, the lingo, and the thinking of Marxism because it's popular. All right. And they want young married couples in their church. Sure. And maybe they don't realize how dangerous. So according to him, pastors are adopting the language of Marxism to attract young couples who are, are supposedly are lost. So, so young couples out there will go to a church if you use Marxist language. Can I say I'm highly skeptical of this? Again, I think... I, 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 what churches are adopting Marxist language? What, what, what now classifies as Marxist language? What, what classifies as Marxist language? Would, would some of Jesus' words be classified as Marxist language? Like if we, did, if we took the, the name Jesus off some of his words, would some of his words sound Marxist? I'm just curious because I think if you went to some Republicans and you quoted some of the things Jesus said, he's like, he's some liberal pacifist Marxist. I don't want anything to do with that. Oh, that's only Jesus. Oh, 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 oh I'm sorry. I, I, I maybe, maybe that's a little hyperbolic, but I'm just curious. What, what is this Marxist language? I'm sure they're going to play some audio clips. Well, they'll give us full context of these Marxist statements being said in very biblical conservative churches. I'm curious to see what they have for us. This is and what the ramifications are, but there are others that are not doing this because they're naive. They're doing this because they actually believe 
Jesus was a socialist. They actually teach Jesus was a Marxist. So we've got both of those facets to deal with. You spend a lot of time in this film on the Southern Baptist Convention, Southern Baptist Seminary, flagship for the Southern Baptist. I have a lot of listeners who are Southern Baptists. They are very sound and they're very solid. And many of them have pastors that are very sound and very solid. So I don't think you're suggesting that everybody who's a part of the Southern Baptist scene is in the same boat of apostasy, correct? Thankfully not, no. And the Southern Baptist Church, it has been such a powerful influence in American history. I don't think we would have had President Ronald Reagan emerge had it not been for these great people. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm cracking up because while they're focusing on the enemy... They're being the enemy. See, the Southern Baptist gave us Ronald Reagan for crying out loud. That's what the Southern Baptist did. They gave us Ronald Reagan. Isn't that what the church should do? Give us conservative politicians. They're turning the church into an arm of the Republican Party. And, and, and I guess we're going to forget, I don't know, some of the horrible things the Southern Baptists did. I don't know. As long as they give us Ronald Reagan, who cares about slavery? Who cares about that? Because as soon as I say that, I'm probably a Marxist socialist who believes in critical race theory because you can never mention racism. You can never mention slavery. Okay, That's a whole different subject here. But I'm just perplexed that the Southern Baptists gave us Ronald Reagan. I mean, God bless America. I'm being way over the top sarcastic, but I am just baffled here. I'm just baffled here. If if my did if 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 I was the president of a denomination and my denomination is known for oh we're going to praise your denomination because you gave us Ronald Reagan, I think I'd be like, we've done something horribly wrong, horribly wrong. We sold out Jesus for politics. And when we started the movie, we just put out a plea, help us, if you've got information, reach out to us and share it with us. We began looking for people with stories to tell. We wanted to give a voice to people who are being smashed in a cancel culture that aren't allowed to speak. And what we found was... Oh, man. Christians complaining about cancel culture. I won't. The irony of that, to me is the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen in my life. Christians perfected cancel culture. Christians created cancel culture. All right, I can give you so many examples. I became a a Christian as a teenager in the 80s, and Christians were running around screaming, we need to get MTV removed from our cable companies. We need this music, but we need to burn rock and roll, and we need to stop it, and and there shouldn't be dances. And you're you're thinking, I'm crazy, raised here in West Texas. If you think Footloose is fiction, it was, there were towns in Texas that had rules against dancing. No dancing, no rock and roll. Do the, ban this, stop this. We need warning labels on records. We need this, we don't need that song on radio we need the, this this rap group arrested in florida for obscenity charges and well we could go through on and on and on and on and on and on and on silence 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 si- we need this book removed from the library we need this band i remember when the last temptation of christ came out at the movie theater christians were up in arms and, and no we're gonna boycott and we're gonna protest and we no we're gonna boycott disney where it's every time you turn around we're gonna boycott target because they won't say merry christmas Christians and the cancel culture has been, perf- they perfected it. And when it's turned against us, they were like, <laughs> we're being persecuted. <laughs> Why? You tried to silence them. Why shouldn't they silence us? I remember when an atheist group um, bought uh, ad space on the city buses in Dallas uh, this was years ago, and I can't remember. It said something about, you know, something negative about Jesus, something negative about Christians, and Christians were up in arms, and I, this is not fair. And I remember doing a podcast episode saying, no, I would support the atheist group to place those ads on city buses. In fact, if they if they placed an ad right next to my church, I would support them in doing so. And I remember getting a call from the atheist group going, wait, 
You're a Christian and you're saying we have the, I'm like, of course you have the right to do it. Why would I take away your freedom when I want the same freedom? The freedom I demand is the freedom I must give. The freedom I restrict is the freedom I lose. So whenever Christians start whining about cancel culture, give me a break, man. We've been silencing and bullying and boycotting and banning and burning. I mean, give me a break. Christianity's got a history of it. When we weren't burning witches, we're burning books or burning records, okay? I know, I just ticked off a whole lot of people. I'm not saying burning witches was widespread. Well, in Europe, if we went through the witch trials in Europe, they were pretty bad, okay? Salem wasn't near as bad as what was going on in Europe, but Salem was bad enough, and I've been to Salem and been to the museum and and, and learned as much as I could about it, but... um, yeah, I just, oh, Christians. But so far, he still hasn't shown, I guess I guess Marxism and socialism has found its way into the Southern Baptist Convention. That is, I guess, where it is. This mad rush of Southern Baptist members coming and saying, we've got stories to tell. We couldn't believe how many people came from the Southern Baptist sector of the American church to talk to us as a movie team. And we realized something terrible was happening. So we began investigating and digging down. And I think what's happening, if you could take yourself back to the late 1960s and think of what it must have been like when the Episcopal denomination began to implode Mm -hmm. on itself in Mm -hmm. total theological liberalism. And we look back with... Now, see, there you go. Back to the 60s, the Episcopalians implode on themselves with theological liberalism, meaning they start abandoning inerrancy, the deity of Christ. Well, guess what? All of the political liberalism, all of that that comes after is irrelevant because they stopped being a biblical church. So I don't see that as an enemy within the church. They stopped being a church. I need to talk about the enemies within churches that still have some form of biblical theology. Right now, all you said is that the enemy is Marxism and socialism. But you're not. Oh, okay. Let's continue. On wonder, how could such great denominations filled with such excited, wonderful people, like the Methodist Church, for example, a once nation-shaking group of Christians, Charles Wesley. How do these great people collapse and go into such darkness? Well, I think it's happening right in front of us, unfortunately, with... Yeah, how did those denominations collapse? That is a great question. How did those denominations, the Methodist and Episcopalians, collapse? Here's the question. Was it because of Marxism and socialism that came into the church? What was in the church that destroyed the church? Was it political liberalism or was it theological liberalism? What destroyed those denominations? I will argue it was theological liberalism. I, like this entire discussion is so missing the point. Yeah, you, that's the great question. What caused the, because if we're going to identify the enemies of the church, let's identify the enemies within the church in the past that imploded denominations. You've started with a political issue, socialism and Marxism. Those churches were not destroyed because of political issues. They were destroyed because of theological issues. The latest, this is the tip of the spirit, the Southern Baptist Convention. They are imploding. They are leaning into the left. It's very clear, and it's very frightening for the future of America. Well, Carrie, I want to play some clips from the film because you focus like a laser beam actually on a number of issues, certainly not exclusively critical race theory, social justice, but these two. All right, there we, there, there's the dog whistle. There's the boogeyman. Critical race theory. Social justice. Now, I have, I, I, now I've got Christian friends who I strong, they strongly disagree with me. I do not believe critical race theory is a threat to any sound biblical church. I do not believe it's a threat. I don't think it's anywhere near it. I think it's a boogeyman. And they'll be like, no, you're wrong. Critical race theory. You need to, what? You, okay, first of all, the, even when you try to define it, they're all over the place. But my thing is, is no, 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 no. 
Critical race theory is not the issue in churches. Let's look at their doctrine. Let's look at their theology. Let's look at what's being preached. Let's look at their study of church history. Let's look at the lack of of Bible study. Let's look at these issues. No, no, no. Critical race theory is not. You say, well, there's these liberal, liberal churches who have embraced critical race theory. Those are the same liberal churches that already abandoned Christianity. So critical race theory is not the issue. If I hear critical race theory one more time, Oh, we don't have critical race theory in our church. And you're theologically illiterate, biblically illiterate. Nobody cares about the things of God. And all you care about is politics. Critical race theory is not the issue. You've been completely hijacked and you've departed from your first love. But okay, scream about critical race theory some more. Critical race theory, social justice are tearing apart the church. Social justice is a euphemism for Marxism. Fairness, the same basic outcomes. If you're a billionaire, then I should be a billionaire. And so many of our churches, and especially our urban churches, they're encouraging people to look at the things of this world Mm -hmm. and bemoan the relative position Mm. that we have within our community. Okay, so urban churches. I still would like to know these churches, these denominations, because I don't want to look at the critical race theory or they're thinking about equal justice or whatever your issue is. I want to know where they were theologically before they ever started looking at these. I guarantee you they'd abandon historical biblical Christianity long before these other things show up. I guarantee you. It's biblical. Church history proves it. First, you throw out God, you throw out the Bible, and then you look to other things. It's the abandonment of scripture. It's the abandonment of Christ that leads to you embracing these other ideologies. They think the ideologies comes in and then that corrupts the church. The church is corrupted. That's why they embrace the ideas. They've got this completely backwards. And look at all these other communities. You know, it's sold as a way to improve people's lives, to give people more security, to help people. It's not. It's a way to enslave them. It's a way. Please, please note that so far they're playing clips of people criticizing it. They're not playing clips of prof, of prominent preachers in biblically sound churches promoting it. To mislead them. And it's a way to give certain unscrupulous people way more power than they ever should have. What I see happening is the evangelical movement, as it concerns critical race theory, social justice, some other things we're going to talk about as well, are following in the dangerous footsteps of the Methodists, of the various very liberal denominations. See, no, no, you you missed the point so much. We've got to figure out what was present in those liberal denominations before the liberal politics. We've got to figure out what happened there, then see how that is present in the evangelical church. Once the evangelical church moves away from sound doctrine, sound theology, and the Bible, they will turn to these other ideas. But, but the issue, those things are not, those aren't the things that are inside the church. They're going to turn to that which is outside the church, because inside the church, they've given up on doctrine, theology, and Christianity. They've replaced it with something else. And, the, and listen, those on the right are trying to fight these issues politically instead of theologically. They've got this so backwards that I don't even know what to say. They're completely missing the point. You have the church. It's there. Bible, doctrine, theology, church history, hermeneutics, Bible study, prayer, the, the, the ordinances. All You've got all of these things. Worship. You've got all of these things. And then slowly but surely... There's corruption theologically. There's abandonment of these things. There's neglect of these things. And once you begin to move away from biblical theology, you start trying to look to other things, right? You got to turn to other things. And then you start turning to worldly wisdom and worldly concepts. Then they come into the church. But the church was already corrupted by an enemy within before these other things aren't enemies within. These are other things the church looks to when the enemy within has already corrupted the church to such a degree that now it's abandoned God. They got this so backwards. Now, we're going to stop right there. That's at the nine-minute 
and 40, I'm going to say the nine minute, 40 second mark. I'm going to put nine minutes, 40 seconds. All right, nine minutes and 40 seconds. We're, we're going to work through this over a series. So that, this is going to turn into a series. Um, and then I'm going to, probably at the end, I'm going to take everyone's emails and try to compile a list of the three enemies inside the church that we need to be most concerned with. Their enemy is Marxism and socialism. And then everything they've described, well, first of all, they didn't even play clips of prominent churches that are teaching it. No, no, of course not. They, they have people, because this has become the boogeyman. And while we're chasing the boogeyman, we're being conquered from within by other things that are really the issue. All right, so if you would like to participate in all of these things, we could almost turn this into a series of three things, all right? Here we go. I need three things the church needs to be teaching young people, three things missing in preaching today, and three enemies within the church. I would like your list of those three, th- of those three for each one of those things, three things church needs to be teaching young people, three things missing in preaching, and three enemies within the church. And you can email them to me at newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Those on Discord, please, it's right there. Let's let's talk about that. That would that would be good. All right. I'm gonna stop there. Currently outside, it looked like a massive I don't know what was happening. The wind was blowing like a hundred miles an hour, and I thought the tree in my neighbor's yard was about to blow down. I was trying not to be distracted, uh, but I think that hopefully the thunderstorm kind of just dissipated and went away uh, because then I can possibly do some more live broadcasting because we got a lot to talk about today. So, it, well, I'm going to do what I can. I, I've got to also got church. I got sermon prep. I got a lot going on, but I'll see what I can get done. As always, if you download the Church One app, Church O N E, Church O N E. Simply, once you download the app, search for Theology Central. Choose us as your your desired broadcaster. It becomes the Theology Central app right there within the Church One app. Over to the, like the left, there's a drop down menu. Look for notifications. Make sure they're all turned on. And then guess what? You'll know every time I'm going live on the air, which seems to be all the time. All right. Thank you for listening. Everyone have a great day. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on all of this. God bless.